Support for Motley Fool Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. You're confident when it comes to your work and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same confidence when it comes to refinancing your existing mortgage or buying a new home. It lets you understand all the details so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Go to rocketmortgage.com forward slash fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today, we're talking energy and industrials. It is Thursday, the 22nd of February. And today, better late than never, we will be discussing Tesla earnings. Uh, I'm your host, Sarah Priestley, and joining me on Skype all the way from Colorado, which I'm assuming is sunny, (laughs) is Motley Fool contributor and senior technology specialist, Daniel Sparks. Daniel, how are you doing? Good. Thank you, Sarah. No, is is Colorado sunny? Have I just projected? <laughs> no, it's actually not sunny. <laughs> that that makes me feel a little better. Yeah, it's been it's, really foggy lately, so. It's pretty rainy here in uh, in Washington, but yesterday it was, I think we almost got up to the 80s, so I shouldn't complain in February. Okay, <laughs> that is, yeah, it's a lot better than here. It's mm-hmm. been like 40 and below for the highs every day, so. Oh. Um. Well, Tesla seems a bit like a stock that some analysts are loving to hate at the minute. Uh, it's also the most shorted stock on the market the last time I checked. Um, so fourth quarter results saw the company announce its worst quarterly loss ever and also record revenue. And just to give listeners a rundown, vehicle deliveries were up 34% for the quarter year of year. Revenue, uh, $3.29 billion, up 44%. Uh, non-GAAP earnings per share, a loss of $2.35, and uh, GAAP earnings per share, loss of $4.01. So um, pretty interesting quarter. I, I've, it's not you, often that you see a company announced its worst quarterly loss and also record revenue. Uh, per unit vehicle production costs were negatively impacted by the company's gross profit margin. Daniel, what did you make of the results? Yeah, this is uh, – it, it really is kind of a typical – Tesla fashion here when you have record <laughs> record revenue and widest ever loss. Um, so, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, the results were better than expected, even that wider than expected loss uh, on an adjusted basis. But it's still a trend that investors uh, are taking notice of just because, you know, it comes in, the loss comes in narrower than, than expected. Um, investors should look at these numbers and uh, maybe take some time to look at the financial statements because uh, these are enormous losses. And we'll get into uh, the free, the net, the huge negative uh, free cash flow Tesla reported in 2017 in a bit. But uh, if Tesla continues down this road, it would be very concerning. Of course, uh, they are you know laying the groundwork for significantly higher. Uh, deliveries this year, and and uh, you know Tesla does expect sales and uh, gross profit to jump this year. So if that does happen, of course, in retrospect, these could look like well-timed investments, a, a year of a very smart investment. Uh, but if it doesn't pan out as as expected and delays persist, that could be an issue. So that's kind of how I'm looking at the quarter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think. Um I think 2017 was an interesting year for them. You saw rapid uh, sales growth. They obviously launched um, the, or introduced, sorry, the Tesla Semi and the, the Roadster. Um, but yeah, we've seen this just huge jump in spending. And quarter deliver- deliveries hit a record high. Where, you know, the constant uh, commentary you see around Tesla is its production misses, um, which, it, you know, continued to miss production targets. But it's hit a record high quarterly delivery of 30,000 units. That was up about 30%. But this was driven by the Model S and X. So what about the Model 3? 
So the Model 3, yeah, the thing to look here was, as you said, they've been missing production targets. Um, the last time they announced that they were pushing a production target for the Model 3 back was alongside their fourth quarter delivery announcement, which happened about uh, three days into 2018. And uh, so investors, of course, were looking to see if Tesla would push it back again, which would be a third time. Uh, for some context, they were initially expecting to ramp up Model 3 production to 5,000 units per week by the end of last year, and they royally missed that target and uh, pushed that initially pushed that target back to the end of the first quarter, and then uh, earlier this year when they announced deliveries, they pushed that target back to the end of the second quarter. And Tesla did actually maintain that target uh, when they announced earnings, even though they took place over a month into uh, Tesla's first quarter. So that was encouraging to see that they're still aiming for for uh, a weekly production target of Model 3 of 2,500 units by the end of this quarter, which of course is uh, just over a month away now, and then 5,000 units per week by the end of Q2. So they did maintain that. That was probably the one good news uh, about Model 3 we've seen so far. Of course, uh, just because they maintained it with these deliveries and hindsight, I mean, with these delays in hindsight, um, it's still something investors should watch clo closely, and we really can't take Tesla at their word yet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there's one thing that we've learned <laughs> so yeah. far. Um, the Just to recap for anybody listening that's not familiar, Tesla announced the Model 3, I think it was almost two years ago. Um, it's the company's affordable mass market electric vehicle, and I think the base model costs 35000 Um It supposedly garnered around almost half a million reservations uh, during the first year that they announced it. So potentially hugely successful, but as you as you talked about, Daniel, it's really if they can crack that production. Um, 2,500 Model 3s every week by the end of this quarter is going to be a huge ramp up for them. I've seen some estimates that have pegged average production at the end of last quarter, sorry, at the end of uh, last month at 1,050 per week. I, you don't know. I mean, it's hard to gauge. You don't know necessarily where these analysts are getting those finances from, but it'll be interesting to see those figures from, sorry, it'd be interesting to see if uh, if they actually manage it. But what about the Model uh, X and Model S? I, I think there's difficulties on that side too, um, with some bottlenecks and issues there. What's demand looking like for these vehicles? So with the Model S and X, um, they, they did finish the year uh, slightly above where they anticipated. So that is one target they exceeded last year, uh, just over 100,000 deliveries of of just the Model S and X combined. Uh, so that that was encouraging. Of course, they had already announced deliveries for the quarter, so it wasn't really deliveries we were looking at, but but yes, uh, demand and what to expect in 2018. And the bottlenecks you mentioned for Model S and X are kind of a chosen uh, bottleneck at this point. Uh, what Tesla wants to do is uh, kind of keep a steady state of production around the 100,000 annual unit rate that they're at right now. Uh, they are working with their partner Panasonic for the battery form factor on those. Uh, so, it, so the form factor they're using is not the one that they've brought to the Gigafactory for Model 3. So what they've done is uh, instead of ordering incremental capacity uh, from Panasonic, which would be quite a significant investment, they're hoping that demand for the Model S and NX will continue to increase in 2018, and they could really focus on highly optioned vehicles and uh, get that gross margin up on Model S and X uh, from 
kind of a steady state of around 25% uh, for those two vehicles to uh, push it higher around 30%. So that's where they're at right now. And actually, um, they've already sold out of about half of uh, the Model S and X units for the year. Um, so, so far, it's actually working out to what they want, the way they want it. And it's actually been kind of surprising that the Model 3 has been driving a lot of interest to the Model S and X. And of course, that could be partly because of the delays, but they also are putting the Model 3 in stores and they're seeing a lot of uh, positive traction from that. Uh, so, yeah, if you put in an order for Model S and X, now you're actually waiting uh, till June. So it's uh, getting closer to uh, the Model 3 at that point. So th that's been a really interesting thing. Now we just need to see Tesla follow through on on prioritizing the high, highly optioned vehicles, uh, work on those gross margins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you, as you said, uh, the Model 3, once you've made all of your, uh, once you've bought up all of your options to kind of increase the value of it, you're probably looking at getting higher towards the Model S price anyway, I'd imagine. I don't know necessarily um, the the upsell there, but it would be interesting to see. So I think that they're capping the the supply of Model S and Model X to 100,000 units in 2018. Is that right? Yeah, they've they said around 100,000 units. So what to expect in 2018 is is yes, around uh, around 100,000 units. But they do want to push the average selling price on those two vehicles higher. Uh, they they've done that in the past, um, and w the way they've usually done that is by uh, eliminating features on the base model. Uh, I mean. In, including higher end options on the base model and simultaneously kind of increasing that price. They could do that or they could also introduce new features at the high end. Uh, they could further prioritize uh, the highly optioned vehicles to give them uh, much faster delivery than lower optioned Model S and X. Uh, so that's what we'll be looking for is to really see the average selling price go up this year. Mm -hmm. And it's really good to see them focus on that too. It um, is. It is actually very encouraging. Of course, um, you know, an extra 5% of gross margin from uh, those two vehicles can uh, contribute significantly to uh, both gross profit and operating income. So that'll be good. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so we're going to get some more detail around cash and uh, capital expenditure. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor for today's show. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. With Rocket Mortgage, you can apply simply and understand fully so you can mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com forward slash full. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS number access.org 3030. So, Daniel, uh, Tesla yet to turn a profit, but funding Musk's ambitious growth plans mean the company is spending a lot of money. Um, what's the cash burn looking like and what's the capex? What's the cash burn looking like, sorry, for 2017 and what is what are we expecting in 2018? Yeah, so uh, they did guide for worse, uh, not worse, but higher capital expenditures in 2018. Uh, 2017 capital expenditures were 3.4 billion, uh, and they said for 2018 they expect that to be slightly higher. Uh, so, just for some context, looking back in 2016, um, capital expenditures were 1.4 billion, and in 2015 they were 2.2 billion. Uh, so it is a significant jump from 2016's capital expenditure levels of uh, 1.4 billion 
the 3.5 billion plus they're expecting this year. But um, you look back to 2015, which was uh, actually much higher at 2.2 billion. Um, for the type of capacity expansion Tesla is planning for, uh, 3.5 billion in this really capital-intensive business is not too bad and could be considered conservative. Of course, that doesn't mean that, uh, I mean, it could be considered smaller than maybe someone would expect for capacity increase that they're planning for. Just for some context, they do ultimately want to, you know, get to that 5,000 unit per week target and eventually uh, double that to 10,000 units per week for Model 3 and kind of run that vehicle at about 500,000 units per year. Uh, and then, of course, last year they produced just over 100,000. So they're planning a huge incremental investment. But this doesn't mean investors should ignore the fact that even though it might be a small amount relative to the capacity they're aiming for, um, it isn't necessarily cash they have. So uh, they're, <laughs> they have huge negative free cash flow because of this. And in, in 2017, the free cap negative free cash flow was 3.5 billion. So we really want to see this uh, revenue from Model 3 and the Model 3 gross margin uh, start kicking in the high gear to cover those costs. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And without, as you said, without earnings, the company is completely reliant on capital markets to essentially keep them afloat at this point. Um, it was announced at the end of last year that in order to finance the Model 3 production ramp up, which I agree um, with what you said completely, that you could see that as conservative given the ambitious growth targets that they have there. Um, the company is seeking to raise over $500 million offering debt backed by Model S and Model X leases. They had absolutely no issue selling these. They were 14 times oversubscribed. Um, and they, I think this was mostly thanks to the fact that they were offering yields about 3% higher than mm -hmm. um, standard lower debt lower rated, sorry, portions of debt. Um, so there was a ton of commentary in the financial media about this. People were misinterpreting and reinterpreting it uh, all over the place. But what did you make of it? Is this a cause for concern, do you think? Well, it it is. Um, any debt is a cause for concern when, when uh, you have the negative free cash flow that Tesla does. So really, it kind of reinforces the position that investors are in right now, where they're, where they're really waiting for Tesla to actually deliver on this much higher revenue and a, a pretty, pretty heady gross margin target for the Model 3 of 25% by the time they get around to 5,000 units per week. Uh, so, so yes, I'd say any concern, any debt right now is a concern until uh, Tesla can actually start showing us they can do. Uh, what they want. But as far as the structure of the debt itself, um, this, it, it goes along with how Tesla has been shifting away from uh, selling equity to issuing debt. Uh, so clearly they do believe in their business uh, because they, they're trying to dilute uh, stock less. Um, it was similar to their last issuance of debt before this where uh, they more heavily weighted the debt side of it instead of the equity. Uh, which was really interesting, uh, but this creates a lot of risk for investors because you know selling equity uh, gives you cash without the debt, but it does give you the shareholder dilution. But so now investors have these these interest rates, and like you said, um, one of the reasons they were got so much attention was because of the high rates on these this asset backed back line. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and, and to be clear, the you know the automotive industry is no stranger to debt um, at all. I think Tesla has about 10.3 billion total long-term debt on its books. Um, and then if you look at Ford, 75% of their capital structure is long-term debt, 60% for General Motors, and and carrying you know much higher proportion. But they're also in the green, so it's a different scenario than more mature automotive companies. Um, so it's definitely worth watching. It's interesting, but as you said. Um, it's, it's a toss-up between whether you'd want your shares diluted or whether you'd want them to be carrying this. Right. Um, something that I'm seeing more and more in bear cases is the rise of viable competition. Uh, so for a while, at least, Tesla was kind of able to operate as, as somewhat of a monopoly. I don't know if that's fair saying, but producing, at least by reputation, the best electric vehicles. Um, but that's really beginning to change. I think GM's Chevy Bolt uh, most analysts are kind of pointing to this as a real competitor for the Model 3. Last year, I think GM sold 23,000 volts, um, and they're ramping up production in 2018. Um, and some believe that this is kind of the real crux of the issue, that the production delays for the Model 3 are turning that demand towards the Bolt. Um, you know, the, the delivery date's been pushed out 29 to 2019, and then the federal cre- tax credit, which is going to be phased out in stages during that year, um, is also playing into people's consideration for that. What do you make of that? Do you think that that actually has legs? I think that all of those arguments, they do sound good in theory, but when we look at the facts of what's happening to Tesla's demand, uh, the net reservations for Model 3 have never declined. There was a miscommunication. Uh, there was a misinterpretation of net reservations a while back where they they reported the uh, reservations instead of the net reservations. So then they had to back it out and say, no, this is actually what we meant was the net reservations. But they have been trending steadily upward. And what's really impressive is in uh, Tesla's fourth quarter report, they said that even during those two delays, that Model 3 net reservations remained steady, which is pretty astounding because those were significant delays. Uh, like I said, they were expecting 5,000 units per week of Model 3 uh, at the end of last year. And now uh, they're essentially six months behind. Uh, and the net total amount of customers has remained the same during that period. And they also did say um, in the few weeks leading up to the report that net reservations remain their up, they resume their upward trend. So that was that's what's happening with demand for uh, Tesla vehicles amid all this uh, rising competition. And then you look at the Model S and X where, uh, you have a growing backlog of orders, even though production is remaining steady. Uh, so the demand isn't being negatively impacted yet. It's something that we should keep our eye on. But at this point, uh, the market is so the potential addressable market is so huge that Tesla arguably needs help uh, promoting just the idea of an electric vehicle. And when you have companies like General Motors coming in and offering, a compelling uh, Chevrolet Bolt, uh, they might attract a type of customer that wasn't considering electric vehicle in the first place, or at least help make that case. And then it gets new customers into the market for electric vehicles. And once you're into the market for electric vehicles, uh, Tesla could be considered an option for some, not all of them, but of course, you know, it represents such a sliver of the market electric vehicles do right now um, that Tesla actually needs help promoting the idea of what is an electric vehicle are they actually feasible? Are they actually compelling? Uh, so that's one, I would say that's maybe the bull case to look at it. But ultimately, I think the takeaway is that it's not necessarily a win-lose market here, at least not yet. 
uh, until we see signs of that. Absolutely. I'm anybody that was uh, able to see me while I was listening to that could see me nodding away in agreement because I completely agree with you. Um, I think it's not a zero sum game. Musk's whole intention with you know what what he wanted to do was raise the profile of electric and get traditional automo- automakers to take advantage of it and really uh, essentially raise the profile, as you said. Um, so in my mind, I think this is a rising tide that lifts all boats and there's plenty of demand to go around. Um, it, it's obviously not just competition from the bolt on the lower end, but the higher end of the product line is beginning to be challenged. Um, or there's more options as another way to look at that. Uh, Tata Motors yeah. Jaguar I-Pace is going to be shown at the Geneva Motor Show. It's a cheaper alternative to the Tesla Model X. But yeah, I, I mean, I I'm, would not consider myself to be a Tesla bull. I have some uh, you know, it's issues and concerns with the company, but this actually is not one of them. I think you're exactly right. It's a small part of the market right now, but um, there's plenty of that small slice of pie to go around, and I think it's only going to get bigger. Right, and I would say what could make it a zero-sum game uh, would not be competition from fully electric vehicles, but it would be if another uh, vehicle type, uh, particularly maybe a, a green vehicle type, there was all the talk of hydrogen fuel cells, mm-hmm. and that's kind of uh, the hype around it is died off a little bit. But if there were a new vehicle type that threatened the idea of fully electric vehicles, at that point, uh, we could worry about a potentially a zero-sum game. But as long as uh, fully electric vehicles are catching on in the mainstream market, I think that, like you said, it, that it's a tide that lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and sorry, just not to hammer this issue too much, but if everybody's on electric, then there's going to be more investment in electric infrastructure. It's going to become increasingly Mm -hmm. viable. So, uh, yes, definitely uh, agree with you there. So the last thing I wanted to really get your opinion on um, is Elon Musk's new compensation plan that was recently announced, and it caused, again, a media frenzy, as anything announced around Elon (laughs) Musk does. Um, The plan could be worth $55 to Musk personally if he delivers on some astronomically ambitious goals. And this is a 10-year plan that will mean he will only get paid if he achieves operational and financial targets. And this isn't, you know, he will only get paid if he achieves 80% or whatever. It's 100% of these goals. Um, And one of which is to raise Tesla's market valuation to $650 billion which would make it one of the five largest companies in the U.S. today. And for reference, Amazon's current market cap is about $640 billion. So what did you make of this? Well, it, it de- definitely screams uh, Elon Musk and Tesla and what they, uh, the way they've uh, set about ambitious targets in the past. Of course, more recently, we've seen a lot of those targets being missed. Uh, so I think that's why when the compensation plan was announced, the market really didn't know what to do with it. It's almost like it was shrugged off as, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens. But um, yes, when you look at the plan itself, there's there's a lot of interesting uh, things. Uh, like, for instance, I, I think I remember in business school, I'm probably going to butcher this, but um, beyond a certain salary of some sort, they say that it, it doesn't motivate people uh, to achieve any targets. And like you said, some, a compensation plan that could be worth around uh, $55 billion. Uh, I'm not sure if those sums are even necessary to motivate someone who's already a billionaire, um, but maybe they are. The good news is at least they're attached to astronomical uh, market cap targets. Uh, and of course, the good news for investors is 
also that they tied them with some operational uh, EBITDA targets, which uh, for reference, the final target uh, for EBITDA and the final target was, I think it was around 14 and a half billion annually uh, is about 21 times higher than where Tesla's at right now. But uh, they also would have to achieve these market cap targets. So it's really interesting uh, that it's tied to these big targets. But, you know, like I said, it's just not very believable at this point, And that might be the issue with investors. So hopefully Tesla can gain some traction this year and we can come back to this compensation plan after they've started gaining this momentum and see how realistic it really might be. But for now, it's just hard to believe. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Uh, so going forward this year, I think we're going to be looking for, as you touched on, Daniel, the the margin expansion uh, that we're hoping that they'll deliver. Revenue growth is uh, expecting to ex- exceed its uh, 55% target. And um, it, I think 2018, from, from as far as Musk is concerned, is specifically to demonstrate profitability and affordability of electric vehicles. Um, and they're aiming for that 25% gross margin at the end of the year for Model 3. So if they can deliver that, I will be astounded. <laughs> But very happy for shareholders. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you want to add before we before we go today? I think that's it. I think it, it covers it. Yeah, investors should really just keep an eye on that uh, free cash flow, and hopefully it uh, starts turning upward. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel, for being on the show today. As always, you are incredibly knowledgeable on the issue of Tesla, and I'm sure we'll get you back soon. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, that's it from us today. If you would like to get in touch, please feel free to email us at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus. Thank you to Austin Morgan for producing the show. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Daniel, I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening and fool up.